Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn and I'm here with Matt Leach and we're at Adobe. We are actually. in this amazing sound proofing room. Yeah. The, <laughs> the first, I think, official episode we've done in here, but certainly not going to be the last. No, I, someone asked earlier whether we'd done them in here before and I think we've had lots of meetings and we've talked about how great it would be to do in here, but we actually haven't done it. So. A good, this is a good one to do for the first yeah. time. Just before I introduce our guests, I really wanted to give a major shout out to our supporter, Streamtime, who's been a major support for us in enabling us to do all these episodes and, you know, to get around the place to kind of talk to more people. Keep the ADR wheels on the ADR bus. That's a much better way of saying what I was trying to say. How kind of you to say. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that they're doing. Um, Obviously, Never Not Creative is a major part of Streamtime, looking at how we can kind of improve this industry for everyone. There's an event coming up. Uh, some of our friends have got together, including Never Not Creative, the Design Kids General Assembly, to talk about internships. Yeah, I think it's called Designing the Future of Internships. Yeah, it should be really interesting. If you can make it along, check it out. Yeah, I'm hoping, if nothing else, it keeps the discussion going and we might get a little bit closer to maybe having a solution for how to do an internship properly. So today we're breaking with tradition slightly and we've got two guests. Uh, in this episode, we have Zoe Pollitt, and Natasha Hasmer. Did I get it right? You got it right. Oh, good. good. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Now, you're both well-known through the industry, but probably best known for the studio you both founded over 20 years ago, which was Eskimo. Uh, Eskimo, with a small E, is a creative consultancy delivering design and strategy for a range of clients, but especially in fashion, luxury, and, and retail sectors. Now, I said Eskimo is a creative consultancy, but is that right, or should I be saying was? Because I think you guys are kind of on a sabbatical. We are. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing, by the way. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. About um, a year ago, we decided to um, take a break. Mm-hmm. So I think um, Eskimo still is, um, but Tash and I are having a, a, pause. a pause and a rethink. So is, is Eskimo still doing business? Is there other people in Eskimo? Or? No, 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 no. No staff and no premises at the moment. Right. And no clients. So that what does... Sounds, what sounds does wonderful. Sounds so good. <laughs> Run a business. I always thought the design would be amazing without any clients. <laughs> um, so, so Matt and I were talking about this before we came with sabbatical, like how would we do a sabbatical if we were taking... Do you, do you know what sabbatical means though? This is... Because I actually did some research about this. Of though. course you did. Because I, I was like, it, I was sure it had something to do with religion. Okay. Um, and I, I was like, that can't be right. And then I looked it up. So uh, firstly, I ask you, what is a sabbatical? Um, I would say it's like taking, in my mind, I'm sure I'm wrong, it's, it would be about taking a break and reflecting on kind of where you want to go next and then kind of coming back coming back into things. Yeah. Like um, how Stefan Sagmeister takes a sabbatical, for example. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that, that's that would be my exactly. practical... So that's what it, it is now. But interesting enough, it comes from ancient Greek uh, mm-hmm. and sabbat, sabbaticos or ancient Latin. It was also there, sabbaticus, uh, which basically both mean of the Sabbath. So it talks about this um, Sabbath year, which basically it's in the Bible as well. Every seven years, uh, everyone was kind of enforced to kind of take a year off. So there was, you weren't allowed to do anything to the land. Um, anyone who had any debts kind of owing were kind of nullified. And, Great. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then slaves were even released. 
so for that year. Also, also positive. Well, it, obviously in the kind of Hebrew right. area, I imagine. That's a system that should have stayed in place. I know, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I was just, it got me thinking about what would I do for a year if I just didn't have to do anything. Hmm. Which comes to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, you, what are you doing? Well, it's been a really fantastic break, first of all. I think, um, you know, with Tash and I uh, have had the business for 20 years, as you mentioned earlier, and I think um, there comes a point, you know, in your journey where I think you kind of do want to take a step back and reassess and figure out, well, what next? You know, what's going to happen with the next half of my life? Yeah. What do I want to do? And I think um, we were both ready uh, at the same time for that mm. reflection. Luckily. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, Where definitely. Where is Zoe now? <laughs> you don't want Tash to have been waiting for 10 years for you yeah, to get yeah. there. <laughs> no, so I think it came at a really opportune time within the business. We had lost a big client. So, you know, there was changes within the structure of the business. And we both knew that it was going to take a lot of energy and a lot of input to recalibrate. And I think we both um, looked at each other and said, you know, now's the time you know if there's ever going to be a time to get off that treadmill and just relook at everything let's do it and i think too it's been an amazing opportunity for us to actually sit back and acknowledge you know what we did create over those 20 years mm. we got a chance to actually do the book because we've been talking about doing the eskimo book for at least 10 years <laughs> um and it gave us the time to do that because it took a long time to do the book I wanted to get into that later, but let's jump in now because for our audience, that the book is basically chronicling the 20 years, yeah, of, of you being together in that business. I guess not a chronicle as such. It's quite a um, – we wanted to design it without too much pretension or I guess too much – history I, I mean yeah <laughs> I think what we really wanted it to be was like a sort of celebration and, a, yeah. and almost like a scrapbook I guess of like as many memories as we could put into you know 400 pages nearly 400 pages it must so, have been amazing doing yeah. doing it and going you know do, oh do you remember that time yeah yeah definitely. Oh, it was perfect as we were packing up the business actually we were <laughs> we were scanning wow. things crazily and, and remembering reminiscing about the last yeah the last 20 years so it was quite amazing you know it was a beautiful time to sort yeah. of celebrate that at the same time. Wow. I wonder if anyone, anyone's ever done that kind of thing before. It's, it's, it makes perfect I, I ended up packing up Billy Blue Studio mm. when, when that eventually went under. And it was so sad because you're putting some of these things, these relics, uh, into boxes, knowing that they'll probably never come never out again. Come, never be yeah. opened again. Yeah. yeah. So We've must a, so a few boxes stashed away in garages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we found some gems, you know, I mean, faxes, old faxes oh, and wow. pieces of communication, you know, that that was before there was, you know, email really. Yeah. <laughs> 20 so, years, yeah. You know, and Faxing over the logo, making sure that it yeah, was Yeah, exactly. Only... They were very faint. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you could almost see it. And, only, uh, only in black. Yeah. And then some great, you know, like even old proof sheets and Polaroids and, you know, yeah. great little memories like that. So scribbled notes. I'm trying to get in my head... Imagining what this might have looked like. Did you have a computer sitting there that the book was being built as you were like packing up? It was pretty much like that. We were the we had two designers working on it at the time. They were crazy busy scanning with the scanner because the scanner was going right. as well. <laughs> That's got to so go in the box. <laughs> it was probably like two weeks of solid scanning of all these old items, you know, that wow. we just kept on pulling out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you collect over 20 years. Mm. So yeah, we threw out probably two thirds, I'd say. 
probably yeah. kept about a third. I'm, I moved out from my apartment. I've been there for three and a half years and, I, and, it, and it took me two weeks. So, and yeah. the amount of stuff that I accumulated in that short amount of time was incredible. So what you would have 20 years as a studio working on so yeah. many clients would be amazing. What was the hardest thing that you felt like you had to throw out? Probably the Vogue collection, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because oh. we had we had like years and years worth of not only Aussie Vogue but American Vogue, British Vogue, Italian Vogue, French Vogue. I've so kept, I've kept the Italian Vogue. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how you guys met, isn't it? Or did you meet at school? We met at college. Right. Mm. So we both studied Viscom at UTS, and then I think on the third year, we were both lucky enough to be chosen to go to St Martin's College for a six-month stint. And that was really where we really formed a close relationship there. And, and we then... We came, came back from London um, and sort of finished our degrees and then both sort of went our separate ways in publishing. Tash started at Vogue straight away. And uh, I, I did a few stints at places like Smash Hits and Inside Sport, Good old actually. Smash hits. Inside Smash Sport hit. was my first job. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah, with the amazing Andy Foster. And... Uh, yeah, that was great learning curve. But then um, we, an opportunity came up at Vogue, and Tash called me and said, "There's this job. Come on over. Come on over." So, so that was still quite well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I can imagine why that was hard to to throw those out. Oh yeah, so many memories with yeah. that, and that was kind of our. That was really a sort of grounding in design was editorial design, and at the time it was. You know, it was amazing. You know, we were we were working with some incredible people. We had creative directors come over from England and America. And also I moved across to Vogue Entertaining for the last two years. And at that time, you know, everyone was totally into Vogue Entertaining and the way that they were shooting food at that time. It was sort of groundbreaking. And um, it was a very exciting time to be working. It was kind of like when the whole food movement really started in... Pre-Donahay yeah, in right. Australia, yeah. you know, so to sort of be at the vanguard of that, you know, was incredible. Donahay would never say there was anything pre... <laughs> <laughs> Not as white and bright as that, no. <laughs> and one of you... Did I read somewhere that one of your first jobs was Kate Blanchett? First shoot for right. Vogue Australia was actually... Um, I think Kate had just graduated from NIDA and I remember clearly going into one of the studios, I think it was called Fish Fishbowl or something at in Surrey Hills. And yeah, she just graduated and we had her, I remember Greg Barrett, I think was the photographer at the time. And we had her jumping through hoops, hula hoops. Oh, like literally jumping through. <laughs> literally <laughs> jumping through. And yeah, obviously didn't really know her at that stage, but mm. yeah, wow. 20 years. That's interesting. 20. One of my first shoots at Vogue was also with Kate Blanchett. Was it? Yeah. Was it? Oh. Yeah. A few years later, obviously. She's, she's, a bit more she's using you guys against each other, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Who did the best shoot? Let's bring it up. Yeah, no, we should, let's, let's call Kate. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Kate on the line. <laughs> it's odd because this isn't a call-in show. Can I go back to the sabbatical, though? Because, I mean, if we think about the actual origins of sabbatical, which I've bored everyone with, seven years is supposed to be the year, but it took you 20 years. But so... And we kind of touched on it, but why now? Like why, apart from losing that, that client? I think it was also, I mean, it was something that we'd sort of talked about in terms of right. needing, you know, to have some time to sort of, I guess, follow some personal dreams or, you know, spend some more time with the family. Like that was, both of those things were important to us, just that 
the time was right. I think both of us, to be honest, were also at a point where, you know, after 20 years and you lose a big client and, you know, you're sort of at a point, well, you know, do we sort of change the business a bit or, you know, do we, you know, how, how do we kind of reinvent the business? Do we have the energy right now to really focus on that? Mm. And, you know, the truth of it is when we sort of both sat down and looked each other in the eye, it was like, well, no, we don't, you know, like we're both exhausted and really need a break. So I think, you know, when you sort of hit that point, you know, to sort of keep to keep getting back up, you know, yeah. after you've already done it many, many times mm. through our um, business life, you know, to sort of have a, have a point in time where you can actually go, well, no. That would be kind of liberating. <laughs> yes. So was it? That, I mean, like on that first Monday morning where uh, you didn't get out of I bed. <laughs> I can't even describe how, <laughs> how I felt. Like, seriously, I think I was walking on air for about three months. I have nothing wow. in the diary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, amazing. I, I, and I think it's just that whole thing. I, I remember saying to someone, I just really want that sense of lightness of being, mm. you know, just not having that responsibility on my shoulders for once because it is relentless and 20 years of relentless, you know, nonstop weekends, late nights, you know, it was just so incredible to have that lifted. So yeah, I think it probably lasted for about three months for me. Yeah. That sort of feeling of, oh my God, every day feels like a holiday. Were you calling each other and saying? Oh, we we, we, we made on the book at yeah, that time as well. So we kind of made a pact. We kind of made a pact that we have to meet at least once a week, yeah. you know, and have a nice lunch or something. Just to kind <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there were lots Not, of lunches, yeah. lots of art gallery visits. <laughs> you know, we also went to um, South by Southwest. Oh wow! Which was amazing. So you know, to have the opportunity to be free for three weeks, I think it was in the end. You know, to do that for two weeks, and then we actually met up with some friends down at. Um, down at Santa Fe, we went to Georgia O'Keeffe's studio and oh, Ghost Ranch cool. and wow. hung out there. So that was just incredible. So South by Southwest, in the 20 years that you were running the studio, did you ever have time for anything like no. that? No, no, never. Because so, there's so many things there that could help amplify that particular yeah. part of your career, right? Um, it's interesting that it... it it took you to actually, I don't have time to go there until I'm taking yeah. a sabbatical. Yeah. And then I, I think that's one thing that I do regret now looking back mm. is that we didn't, we didn't get away enough. You know, we didn't pull ourselves away from the, from the desk enough to kind of get that worldly experience. It's so hard mm. when you're in, you're it's in so it. It's so hard when you're in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You're so close to it. But I think it's great for people that are listening to this that are going through oh it. Yeah. They're Absolutely thinking, they're thinking, it. oh my God, I'm 12 years in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eight years what left. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Eight years left to feel like these two. <laughs> So, you know, looking back on the way you structured the business, is there something you would have done differently, like build in 20% time or, or something like that to kind of, <laughs> <laughs> do, do they actually have 20% time or is it just a myth? It might be just a Matt Leach made up thing. I don't I mean, know. I'm sure I read it somewhere. Yeah. It's always about 20%. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's the key. Um, I think it's kind of like, I mean, it's sort of, it's hard because, you know, you, you put it those sort of ideas or structures in place, but then actually sticking to them is the, is the other thing. Right, yeah. Um, so I think, um, you know, in terms of like how, how would you do that, I think it's actually probably going, well, you know, we, we know that this is important for our business and we're going to dedicate, you know, this person, you know, whether it be, you know, one of us or someone else in the business to actually, you know, get to those kinds of things and bring something back and maybe have an outcome from it. So perhaps if that was more client focused, yeah. um, right. that's potentially a way to do it. I think probably... You can bill it then. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, maybe get your clients to sponsor you. Kate, Kate Blanchett to sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> She's got enough jewelry already. But I think if you can sort of maybe, you know, sort of put it into the business as a, you know, as perhaps part of the bottom line in some way, you know, it's actually vital to the business because mm. of this, not just because it's going to make us feel inspired, you know, right. as the outcome. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's actually only going there. Do you realise the benefit and what it brings to, to your whole thinking, you know, outside of that design bubble? It's like, you know, once you've, you've gone there and you've done it, then you realise that it's something that you've got to keep going. So for yeah. anyone out there like these two people who haven't <laughs> been, how would you describe it? Oh, it's mind altering. It's and just incredibly inspiring. I ended up um, actually from one of the events that I, I wasn't planning on going to there, which was all about scent. And I ended up going to um, the Greek island of Syros in June to do a perfume course for a week. That one panel discussion that I went to at the conference and was just so inspired by this woman who had started the Institute of Art and Olfaction in, in LA. And it just you know, it made me want to want to know more. So I ended up doing that. I think it was about two months later. So yeah. is that is that part of, I mean, I guess looking at your sabbatical, is it you, you literally find a thread and just follow and, and see what happens, can't you? Because you've, you've now got the time. Yeah, that's right. And I think that that's sort of like, um, for instance, at the moment I'm actually studying full-time doing jewellery design. Oh, wow. So I've gone back to school. How cool is, is that? Um, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Which is amazing. And I'm loving And she's not the oldest student there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tash. <laughs> My first question to her. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're very lucky to have a, have a great group. But, um, you know, I think it's something that I'd really wanted to do oh, 15 years ago. And, you know, kind of thought after having my second child, oh, that's all right, I'll go and study jewellery design at night time. But, you know, the reality of that actually happening with two young children and a business to run mm. is fairly um, slim. So, But even now, even, you know, having that time, it, it must be a scary thing to sort of go back to zero, I guess. Oh, definitely it's scary. But I think, um, you know, one of the one of the things that both Tash and I talk about is this idea of fear and if something is actually feeling scary then you're probably at a point where you're actually challenging yourself and that, yep. that's actually the time to kind of lean in and, and, and keep going and embrace it yeah, yeah rather than rather than kind of shy away from it you know if it feels a bit scary then dive in well yeah I, d I love that I don't know what the quote is but it's something about like if, if you are fearful of something it just you need to give it more attention because yes, that's it's, exactly. like it's trying to tell you something. Yeah, and I think that that's I think everybody has fear, you know, and it's really important to kind of acknowledge it and understand it, but not be too frightened of it, mm -hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like too resistant to it, yeah. too close-minded. Yeah, one of the things I saw at South by Southwest was about ageing and the fact that you know we used to live these lives where you basically go through. You know, you go hard in your career and then you burn out and then you retire, you know, and, mm, and yeah. that's not really a great way to sort of lead your life. You know, the fact of the matter is that people are getting older and older. You know, the, the statistics are showing that people are actually going to live to the age of 104. Our kids, you know, our teenagers are going to live to that age. So I think we've kind of actually got a plan 
before a sabbatical. We've got a plan mm. for that sort of midlife stage where, you know, things actually change, you know. I think you, you reach your financial peak when you're in your 40s. Yep. So you, if you kind of go, well, I'm going to reach my financial peak then. So how do I actually save enough money or squirrel away something so that I can actually plan and save for that next phase of my life. You know, I might want to study again. I might want to pivot my career, you know, and I think it's really important to sort of put that message out there. Like, you're probably not going to want to keep doing the same thing for the rest of your life. And I think uh, particularly women, you know, I think we reach our peak when we're 60. So (laughs) we've still got, you know, a few good years to go before we, you know, reach the highlight years. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the idea of saving, saving for like a future education when you maybe yeah reach midlife is, yeah. is something that's really important and perhaps taking, taking that time out to actually reassess because in your elder years, you know, you start focusing less on money and more on perhaps humanity, you know, and right. how, how you can. Yeah, but it's also, and I'm thinking of my dad who's tried to retire a number of times and he, he talks about like he'd always planned to do this thing or that thing. But actually, he's too old to do some of those things yeah. now. Yeah. So almost put, and even putting the travel thing, yeah. you know, mm. putting yep. that off, and physically, you're not in a condition to be able to do that. Maybe when you're seventy. You know, some people say don't do a sabbatical; just take one day off a week or, or something like that. Like you know, it doesn't min- work when you run breaks. a business. No, true. <laughs> you just fill it up with stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, you just yeah, you you fill do. it up with washing or something. Or something. Yeah. You know, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. I work from home one day a week, but everything just piles in. Yeah, that just, just becomes your dumping ground still of busy. stuff. Yeah, you don't get a free day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is amazing being on sabbatical. You're still doing washing every day. You're yeah, still right. doing the dishwasher. Like, the, you could fill your day. Mm. <laughs> do you have to plan your day out? Say, like, this, this is what I'm going to do today? Some days I do, yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely good to have a bit of a weekly a rough routine, weekly yeah. routine. plan mm. or else um, it's very easy to kind of See how quickly we went back to that sabbatical. Yeah. Read a book. Just, <laughs> Well, I, I, can you, you can tell that I'm... I mean, these guys said they talked about it for a little while, so this is me talking. I know, I get it. I know what's, happen- I know what's coming next. <laughs> Matt's about to quit. <laughs> he doesn't even get paid for this. So. Don't I? <laughs> I'm very interested in the sabbatical because it's so funny because even though... Because we I'm, really want Because we want to do a sabbatical. <laughs> we really want to do, do one. Um, yeah. What's holding you often, back? I yeah. um, often think about rules, like, so... Because um, I'm really boring and nerdy, but... Thinking, if I was going to do a sabbatical, would I give myself a deadline to do something, or would I just go like I'm, as in a period of time? Right, like um, would does I it say, have to be a year? Does it have to be a year? Can we? Can, am I allowed to entertain the thought of what I want to do next? Is the whole intention that I never think about that and I let something come to me? Have you? Did you decide on any sort of rules, or am I just making something really fun sound? Really <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think when we sort of set out, like you know, we'd got, we'd sort of said, oh. You know, it'll be a year. Actually, I think when we first set out, I was like, what am I going to do after three months? You know, like right. I really was thinking after three months, I would have to like start working again straight mm. away. I'd have to be, you know, back in it. I was going to be consulting, you know, I was already sort of thinking, you know, what could that be? And then I think as you sort of relax into it and then you start to realize that actually if you start putting too many outcomes on things or deadlines, that's when you actually aren't doing the job of what a sabbatical is, which right. actually is this kind of... I would fail. But that's kind of the exciting thing is actually exploring or well, what's inside me. Yeah. What, what is it that what is, you know, you start to look to your own purpose and beliefs and what you 
what's important to you in the world, you know, and I think to sort of have that kind of reflection and that introspection is so, so valuable. So to sort of go on a little bit of a journey, you know, I've been doing so much reading and, you know, Tasha's as well. It's like to actually start, you know, getting through that pile of books that's sitting next to your bed and, and really sort of do things with intention, I think, to be able to explore and um, discover things about yourself is so important. I love that. I love that doing things with intention. It's like that, it's it's that thing that life gets away from us and work gets away from us and we just end up rolling into one mm. thing, one thing. And so it feels like you both have, have taken the chance to kind of, I guess, this is going to sound a bit silly, but design, redesign your life, I guess. Yeah. Isn't that your hashtag, though? <laughs> 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 your life? I've been doing some research. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, Vince, for us... Yeah, yeah. Put it perfectly. I think to actually, yeah, think about designing your life is great. You know, you are your biggest project, so mm. why not um, spend some decent time on it? The um, I've been obviously Vince and and what he's been doing around that kind of stuff, but I've been um, a friend of mine's been um, implementing the McKinsey's Three Horizons of Growth uh, into his own life. So this idea of your first horizon is where you are now and you need to focus on that. Mm -hmm. But then you've got a second horizon where you're trying to get to and then a third horizon which you also need to devote some time to. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but just... Um, yeah, what it, is the third one? Well, the th third one, so it's more about how you use your time. So you might spend 80% of time on your first horizon, 15% of time on your second horizon okay, and okay. then 5%. Mm -hmm. So whatever that final thing is where you want to be, but you're even now putting some time into it. Mm. I See, we set rules for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a man thing? <laughs> it is. I want to kind of talk about your time at Vogue together and, you know, working together. Was it five? How long were you working together at Vogue? Five years. About Six. five? Well, I think five. Well, you started two years after me and then I moved across to Vogue Entertaining for about the last two years. Right. So I think it was probably three years together three years crossover yeah, yeah. it's one of those things we were talking about that before yeah. it sort of depends on your perspective yeah, and who's yeah. asking in the context in the same building for about five years yeah perfect yeah yeah yeah, yeah. at vogue yes literally at vogue. yeah <laughs> and i guess what the catalyst was for creating eskimo from there was was there a gap was it we want to we want to change something <gasps> was there a sabbatical <laughs> oh my god no straight straight in there and yeah. and and yeah like you know what what happened what was that like so Basically, the reason why we did it, well, I think also the monotony of the monthly cycle of the magazines was really getting to us. I mean, I think right. we needed a change up with that, and especially after five years for me, really needed something different. And we were we were being asked by so many fashion clients out there to design their logo, design their mail out. You know, we had Herringbone as a client, and I think we were designing their logo in the shoe department at Vogue. Um, you know, right. we had the artist group back then who, who still exists today and they wanted us to do, you know, a, a catalogue for them and a new logo. So we were just, we were constantly being asked because the, there weren't many agencies out there that focused on fashion and lifestyle. So we saw an opportunity and it took a while, you know, we were thinking about it for probably about 12 months and then we took the leap and never looked back really. Mm. Until now, now you're reflecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're reflecting. Nothing we're looking at. Yeah. Like. It's reflecting the whole time. That's yeah, so we pretty much had clients from the get-go. Yeah, we, we were kind of were running the business from the Vogue art department for, in the evenings. I don't almost. think you're the only one that's ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so then when, when did you 
decide that this was a business. Was it called Eskimo from the get-go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, why Eskimo? Uh, we like the idea of um, a name that sort of, I guess, encompassed an idea. And that idea was about white space and a blank canvas and kind of an, you know, endless kind of white tundra of space, you know, mm. within which to create. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of how the name came about. I think we also wanted a name that was sounded quite rare, that was something interesting. Mm. We didn't want to use our names at the time. And I think I was on an aeroplane flying to London at the time when I actually came up with the name. And the logo, I think it stuck from, from that, you know, that time when I came up with it. So, yeah, Zoe was happy with it. And we <laughs> <laughs> Off we went. <laughs> Off we went. Nice. Well, I think organically we grew. We probably grew by one person a year in the first, mm. say, 10 years. So it was a very organic growth period. And then I think it was – we were sort of outgrowing our space. We were in, in um, Kipak Street in Surrey Hills. We had a rooftop, amazing rooftop up there. And then in 2014, we had a little bit of a, a, little bit of a mass exodus with the staff as, as a huge client came on board. And I think that – was a bit of a turning point for us because overnight pretty much we had to decide whether or not we were going to double the size of the business to take on this client pretty much and move premises. So we had to double the space and and double the, double the staff. And it it was a pretty sort of horrific kind of time for the business because (laughs) we had people resigning one week after another because they would see this tsunami of work coming towards them. And they're like, (laughs) holy shit, I've got to get out of here. I don't think I can handle this. So I think it was a period of like five weeks where every Friday someone would resign. <laughs> and I and remember... just wondering how the hell yeah. we're going to get I remember I, I, was, I had a trip booked into Byron for a week, for a romantic weekend, weekend away with my husband. And I think this was the last Friday where the fifth person had resigned. And I just remember being on the phone to Zoe all weekend, just discussing how are we going to get through this? How are we actually going <laughs> to <laughs> rebuild and get through it? And we did. I think it was six months later and... You know, we'd got a great new team on board. We'd moved premises. You know, we'd spent a fortune redoing out this new fit out. And, yeah, but that, that I think, for us was probably a momentous, like, mm. oh, my God Hurdle. moment. Like, yeah. right. are we both ready to do this? Because it was a huge financial commitment, not mm. only em- employing all those people, but also, you know, spending a lot of money on a refurb. And, yeah, so we, you know, there was moments. We've had a few epic mm. moments like that where, you know, it's, something kind of scary sort of really happened and we've both said, yep, we can do this, we can do it together and Because on the the face of it, it sounds like a wonderful problem (laughs) to have, doesn't it? It's like, we we got a big client. Well, the doubling doubling of the business was great. It was was more so the, you know, losing 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 key staff. And it tends to happen like that, you know, where you kind of go through those periods where there's a little bit of a domino effect, you know, with the staff. Yeah. Yeah. There's I'd say that's probably happened change. at least two or three times in the business where you've had key people leave and, you know, others follow yeah. and you have to then rebuild from that. But I yeah. think too, you know, a, a lot of a lot of the business has been built on our intuition, you know, what, what we feel in our gut about which way we should go. And I must say that the few times that we've gone against that feeling have really backfired on us. <laughs> oh, wow. Really backfired on us. So you can look back and say, see, we did the yeah. thing yeah, we yeah. were meant to do, not the thing we felt was right. Yeah. And we should never do that again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's That's funny cool. you still then do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I sort of wanted to skip to 
last week, was it? The week before? Yeah, International Women's Day. International Women's Day. There was an event um, that was happening called Gentlemen Welcome, um, which I was unable to attend. And I was kind of quite bummed about it. And it just got me thinking. um, I was thinking about Zoe and Eskimo and everything. thinking, actually, I actually messaged Matt. I said, Mm. we've never had Eskimo on, have we? He said, no. (laughs) I I thought it might be a really good time. And also maybe we could, um, very selfishly, I could find out what was spoken about at the event. And, and, you know, what we can learn from it and everything. So maybe you could give us an idea of what the event was about for those that aren't aware of it. Yeah, look, I think um, the event was really important to us because well, we've always wanted to support women in the industry. And, um, you know, obviously having been in the industry for such a long time and because there are so few female-run businesses, um, it was a good time for us, to, I guess, to celebrate women uh, in design and particularly women stepping up into design leadership roles roles well not just roles but in leadership in general I think um, Morella Marie who started were mentor um, had been in touch with us and I had I was currently a mentor uh, within her program and I'd found um, the experience really um, invigorating and yeah, I absolutely loved it. What, and I'm just going to jump in there because what, what made that different? Because I've always seen you as a mentor in the sense of, I mean, obviously I, when I was at Billy Blue, we sent lots of grads over and they always talked about how, what a nurturing kind of mm-hmm. office it was, studio it was. Yeah, look, I think it was really important. Mentoring is al- has always been really important to us and definitely in terms of mentoring um, the people in our studio and, and ensuring that their careers are developing. But I think perhaps we'd recognised that maybe this wasn't common in the industry. And, and well, in fact, in speaking to Morella, we realised it really wasn't common and that a lot of women were struggling with knowing how to take that step up, you know, in their careers um, and in their lives. So I think um, it, it was just something that we were like, well, this is really needed in the industry and this is how we can really help, you know, further than just within... Eskimo and what we're doing there, but, um, you know, in the much broader context of design. Anyway, kind of went really off topic then. No, <laughs> that's what this show's all about. Yeah. We love a good tangent, so yeah. just wherever we want to go. So I think, um, well, it was, it was really key for us to have an event where we were supporting women in leadership. So we were like, I said to Tash, well, you know, let's, why don't we just get Marilla to come and talk? get some other people in the industry, you know, who we really admire, who we'd love to hear speak and actually kind of put it out there um, and see what kind of questions come up, see what answers there might be because, um, you know, it's something that's that does keep coming up, you know, with women um, struggling with knowing what to what to do and how to how to lead, how to step up. It's It's wonderful, though, it's being talked about so often now, though. Because before, I'm thinking back ten years ago, mm-hmm. it would it would raise its head and then it would go away again. Yeah, and, and it's it feels like there's a, a real energy now that is kind of pushing forward, and and that feels like there might be a resolution. Well, or hopefully, hopefully it's a tipping point because mm. I was actually looking back through some some old stuff today, and you know I found a whole lot of questions that we'd written about this very topic from 2012. Right, and. Some of those questions are still sort of unanswered. So mm. I think, um, you know, the reason why we wanted to call it Gentlemen Welcome was because we really feel, Tash and I both feel that the men in our lives have been amazing in terms of uh, 
I guess, supporting us not just in our, you know, business lives, um, but also our family lives. And I think that, that that balance of support, you know, in both fronts, like it's it's been amazing, you know, and it's it's not just our husbands, you know, it's our fathers, it's it's our sons, it's our colleagues and some of our clients as well, you know, who've really helped us uh, in many ways. And I think we recognise that, you know, we've been extremely privileged and it's not the same for most women out there. So you know, what's going wrong? Like, why aren't these men stepping up? You know, why aren't they helping? What can they do to help? You know, is there is there really a problem there? You know, like, how do we how do we solve this? Is uh, Yeah. Can you just answer all those questions? Right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, that those, are, those, those are really interesting. Like, what was the vibe from what was the vibe from the room? I think we were we were talking a little bit before, like with the big banner of, hey, guys, you can come. It's OK. Yeah. We're not going to bite your head off. We're all in this together, <laughs> which I which I really like because it was it was quite different. Yeah. But we were, we were talking it's a little bit disappointing that it was still majority women in that audience where it's kind of like hey this is for the guys to learn stuff yeah and I think look it was a shame there weren't a few more boys there but there definitely was a a strong male contingent there and Mm. um and I think uh you know there were some really great things that were raised I think um Josie was fantastic in terms of really kind of putting it out there in terms of like well here's what you can do you know like it was you know simple things like you know if you've got an opportunity um, perhaps you share it with a female colleague. You know, it's it's got to mm. be. I, I think the the important thing is sort of men taking action, and you know, not sort of sitting back and waiting for women to tell them what to do. It's actually about men stepping up and actually becoming advocates for women. Mm. Um, so really, kind of you know, sharing sharing the platform, sharing the opportunities. I think recognizing their position. You know, we talked. Um, Vivian Sung talked a lot about uh, intersectionality, and I don't know if okay. you're... <laughs> you can break that down. <laughs> Not for me, for others. Yeah. I totally know exactly. I think, what uh, I mean. yeah, it's like it's it, essentially a, it's a platform that really looks at you know the the kinds of privileges that we that exist and things that. Um, well, hey, I've got I've got a bit of a definition here. It's a framework <laughs> that was developed in 1989, essentially an interlocking system of power, or how how power impacts those that are most marginalised. So, it, it kind of you know it's it's really kind of about having empathy and understanding for. Yep you know, different people and what might be making them more marginalised. So and, and being really aware of your position, I think... I think acknowledging your privilege. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely over the last decade, it's been... It's really come to the forefront that we need to kind of really reflect on where we're sitting yeah. before we start making decisions. And I think, you know, from mm. a leadership perspective, if we can mm. all start to just be a bit more centred in the way that we lead, so actually look inside yourself yep. and how you can... Uh, how you can actually change, you know, what is it that you can do within your power to to stop this kind of discrimination from happening, you know, whether that be, you know, gender, race, whatever it is. I think, um, you know, it's so important that we kind of actually just have a bit more empathy and create a more balanced world. Yeah, yeah the other thing that we, we brought up was the whole idea around real men flexing. And how men have to, uh, you know, obviously we talk about women, you know, being in the boardroom more, but it's also, you know, we need to look at how we can get men and husbands into the house more to help and looking after the kids. You know, this is the whole issue of, of, um, 
you know, it's just it's just not a, a done thing, really, that the mm. that the men, you know, work flexible hours that they're, they're not looked upon, you know, that's in a positive a light. And I think that's real men flex. I just that, yeah, 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 that. yeah. <laughs> that's what needs to change. You know, right. we need more male role models yes. to and enable men- that to you know, be celebrated. As well, I've got great to... news for you because I am getting ready to be a stay-at-home husband very soon. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. Role yeah. model number one. Yeah. But I think it's also encouraging other men to also be like that. You know, it's mm. like, it's, you know, that those responsibilities should be shared. And, you know, one of the very scary statistics that we brought up was that, you know, in the last Australian census, it was found out that there's still, like, women still do two. 2.6 hours more than men in a day, a day in housework, childminding, mm. right. and um, routine shopping. So, you know, that's just like an I extraordinary hate routine shopping. But you know, maybe you exchange that for putting yeah. rubbish out or something. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Mm. No, that's amazing. Two, <laughs> two point six, you said. Yeah, two point wow. six hours. That's scary, though, isn't it? Because that's that's just so unequal. Well, yeah, that's like how much a quarter of your waking hours. Yeah. yeah. And that's just actually the physical actions, you know, there's then the mental energy connected to that. So whoever's, say, running the lives of the well, school the planning, kids, yeah. the planning around yeah. that, you know, like that, that mental energy that's consumed in doing that kind of work is extraordinary. Even so just being the bad guy. As well, bad or bad girl, like the the boss, the actual boss that's in charge. Because um, my wife's just like, you're going to be so the good guy, yeah. and I'm going to be so good the cup, get off cup. the couch, yeah. you know, time to go to school, all that stuff. And she's right. She's going to have to be the bad cop the whole time. <laughs> I wanted to bring up a quote that you um, actually had on Make Nice. So hi, Nio. And I'm going to quote this. The existing conference formats are not conducive to how females generally operate, which is more collaborative as opposed to being singled out. And that really that really made me think because I think we, we hear from a lot of people who sort of say, oh, it's very hard to get women to sort of speak. And actually it just really made me realise that actually the, the whole structure is kind of wrong in the first place. Look, I think um, that was also one of the reasons why we did Gentlemen Welcome as well because it, the format of that was that it would be sort of more like a few talks, conversational questions, you know, Q&A at the end, uh, and then an opportunity to kind of chat afterwards, you know, over drinks and some nice food. So I think, um, you know, I, I do think that the current sort of system in terms of conferences and things can be quite uh, daunting, you know. So if there's sort of, you know, it does sort of potentially put obstacles in the way of women because it's not our natural way of mm. connecting and communicating, you know. So I think, um, you know, when you have sort of the opportunity for a kind of, you know, s- perhaps smaller events, more intimate events where you can actually have a decent chat um, and not feel too... Um, put on the spot. Put on the spot, yeah. Mm. I went to an amazing um, Indigenous symposium at the Sydney Design Festival, not last weekend, the weekend before, and they actually had... Um, six Aboriginal craft crafting women come in and talk about their craft and, and you know, their their processes and everything. And it was so beautiful the way we did it. We all had, I think there was about 25 in the room and we all were weaving, you know, raffia baskets as the women were talking about their craft and talking about their journeys. And, you know, it was all about this sort of deep listening and creating through deep listening. And it was such an incredible and beautiful way to actually hear stories whilst 
making and it was quite meditative and I thought that format was just so so incredible and so enriching and yeah, it's your sabbatical is just all about every sense, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Touch, absolutely. Hearing, and I'm doing smell ceramics as well. It's, it's all about touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. I, lo- I love that though, that because you're sharing an experience, but then they're also because of that shared experience, they're able to share their stories at the same time. There is something really nice in that. Kind yeah, of. it was in- just. Amazing. Well, it's interesting, perhaps, when the focus is taken off one person. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's something that sort of evolves and it's and it's conversational, you know, it's collaborative and it's, it's a yeah, shared experience. Well, and coming out with yeah. making something as well, mm. and that's always going to remind me of that weekend with these incredible women and just what I learnt, yeah. Mm. I in my research, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to find it, but I can't find it right now, there was, there was something, and it may have been something around the event that someone has tweeted out just talking about how um, there's more female students studying design, something creative, um, but that's not represented at all at the top level. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like seventy to seventy-five percent. It is, yeah. Graduates of graduates are female, which was which which was our experience at Tractor Mm. as well. Um, Our experience, every every school I've ever worked at, it's been the same. Yeah, um, I would just, I mean, we don't have to solve the problem now because these are big, (laughs) big problems. But but why do you think that is? Do you think it's not allowing good system for you know, returning people returning to work, more flexible hours. Why do you to suppose it may be or one of the reasons, one of the many reasons perhaps? Well, I think, I think it's because probably women get to that age where they're, you know, progressing from senior designer to design director or creative director level is when they hit those child-rearing right. years. And I think the statistics go that the, the age for women for their first children, child is... 28 and the male is 33. So you're looking at five four years. to five year difference yeah. in, sa- in, in salary at that point. And I think what happens is they look at the short term and they think, okay, well, the husband's earning more money than I am. So I'm probably the best one to stay at home and right. you know, look after the kids yeah. because he's, gonna, he's got more earning potential. Like rather than looking at the longer term and seeing how, you know, they could work this out flexibly maybe. I think there's a sort of initial, well, they're earning more money, so I'll stay home and look after the kids. Yeah, it makes sense. So I think sense. that's, that's yeah. one point, wow. definitely. I think, too, it comes back to that idea of, you know, there's, it's just, it is still seen as a woman's job to right. be at home with the kids. Mm. And until there's actually a shift in the workplace that is supportive for either men or women to be able to take time off, work flexible hours, um, you know, and, and men are really supported in that as well mm. as women, um, you know, until there's that kind of that real mental shift and, and true sort of support in business, um, then, yeah, it, it's always going to be a struggle. So, because mm. we haven't solved that one, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, what's, so what's next for, for you guys apart from more courses? <laughs> <or> <laughs> Oh, I'm busy. You're going to run busy, out of senses. Busy crafting, busy crafting <laughs> at I'm, the moment. You're both crafting. Um, <laughs> I had a pretty full-on year last year. We lost a family member, so we, yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was it was great in in the sense that I could be there for the family and be a wife, a great wife, and a great mother, you know. But yeah, I feel like you know, and, and I think it gave me a huge reality check about you know life and you know the stresses and all that kind of stuff of running a business, and you know you need to take time out to you know, be there for that kind of thing when it hits. 
so I feel like I'm sort of recalibrating on that. I mean, it was a big year of loss, I suppose, too, with the whole, you know, transitioning from the Eskimo to, to the sabbatical. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still doing a bit of self-discovery and, you know, re-evaluating things. And at the same time, I'm busy doing ceramics so and travelling. Traveling. <laughs> do you have Getting a away. do you have another trip planned? Uh, I'll be in Japan in a few weeks. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see if there is an Eskimo to how you come back to that, both through the, your learnings that you've had yeah. on the reflection, but also with all the new skills you're you're picking up. Like you just don't hear about businesses being able to do that sort of thing, like inject new skills of jewelry making, perfume, ceramics, perfume, you know, ceramics. everything. <laughs> but just Jelly I mean. Bags. How 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 that how, how all, nice. how how that will impact upon the types of jobs you choose to do and and also the way you look for solutions I guess you know who who knows what's sort of going to happen next and I guess that's the beauty of this sort of not not venturing in with a deadline or a timeline or anything like that it's sort of um, an exciting uh, place in our lives where we can kind of explore and and discover. Um, and I think, you know, whatever happens next, um, you know, I'm sure will be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Better be. You built it up now. So. <laughs> I, think, I, I think, um, you know, I think just coming, coming to whatever is next mm-hmm. with a lot more self-discovery and uh, self-awareness. And I crafting think. skills. And crafting, and crafting skills. skills. Yeah. <laughs> New types of design skills, I think, um, is going to be really valuable. Eskimo with a capital E. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> so I think that kind of brings us to time. Yeah. Have you got anything you want to finish with? No, I'm great. That was such a great chat. I'm glad we could finally do it. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Thank you for having us. Thanks for coming on. Well, what we usually do is say, where can people find you? Eskimos um, are still there. I mean, obviously, we didn't dive too much into your work, but a lot of your body of work is still up there. Some amazing, obviously amazing campaigns that are up there. And the book is available. And book's available. Oh, so the, the book book's is available purchasable. At, yeah, uh-huh. you can buy it oh. at Kina Kunya and also Beautiful Pages online. Oh, Beautiful Pages, yeah. great. We'll leave those links in the show notes as well. So if anyone wants to, to grab one of those. And we're still busy on Instagram, so that's another place to contact. Just for... <laughs> Absolute jealousy for every designer out there that's <laughs> yeah. nine to sixing. Tash, what are you doing now? What are yeah. you doing now? No, right now. <laughs> where are you now? Yeah. So Matt, where can people find you? Instagram, Matt yep. underscore Leach. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to see. Okay, great. <laughs> Good shout out. Um, this is better. Uh, you can find me on everything at Flynn Tracy, and you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com, and you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.